everybody. Welcome to the Almost Good Podcast. I am your host, J. David Osborne. The other host, his name is David James Keaton. Hey, Dave. I got nowhere else to go. So what you'll notice is that both of our voices sound a lot better than they used to because we basically want people to listen to this podcast and we have great riffs. We have we've been doing this for almost three years now, Dave. We've been doing this for a while, so I feel like we're old oh old hands at podcasting. So it's not that we can't make a fun and entertaining podcast, but it just it always sounds like a you know like a CIA tape or something, you know, where it <laughs> and uh, and we're sort of like we it's, it's almost like we're uh, undercover agents or something like that. It's kind of like a like a. Uh, yeah, well, I like that movie. I don't know if you like that movie, <laughs> but now I don't know if this is gonna. We gotta bear with us because my setup is a little is a little wonky still. I've got my new fancy microphone. It's one of those metal old timey looking deals mm-hmm. recommended by Rob Olson on a rival podcast. Um, it's got, I don't know if you can hear that, but that's me touching it. I've got it at a good length away, but I also have a fan on me, and I'm also holding a phone. Right, right. So that um, is a weird setup. You know, there might be, um, can you when you we might have some problems. Can you see know. the blue can you see the blue stuff coming up on Audacity? The little blue yeah, the talking waves. Lines? The wave is waving when I talk. Okay. But right now this will be a good test because right now it's about a forearms length of length away. So Okay. Alright. Good. Good. So well a penis length away. So we so. basically, Dave and I were talking a lot about what movie we wanted to talk about today, and there's there's not a whole bunch of movies that have come out lately because of um, because of the coronavirus. So what he and I both decided is that we would actually just talk about COVID nineteen for the whole podcast. Actually, can this be Virus Corner? Sure, I'd love to do Virus Corner. I was really for hoping vi- you'd let me talk cor- about it. Um, well, this is. Uh, I'm going to talk about my viral tweet. Oh, you had a viral tweet. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, that's not what I'm talking yeah. about at all. But you, yeah, you are fine. not allowed. You, you are not allowed to talk about COVID nineteen. All right. However, we could we could talk about Twitter. Okay. Because all right. um, I just had some weird thing happen with uh, uh, about a month ago. I posted this really kind of inane comment. The last movie you saw in theaters is How You Die, mm-hmm. and um, nobody really saw it. I had like two likes, and uh, then I moved on with my life. And then, this is how long I've been on social media. Like, I forget what I type. I forget what I put up. Right. And I just typed it out again and posted it again. Have you done that, where you've made the same joke twice, and you didn't oh, realize yeah. you already said oh, it? Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. So I did it again, just um, because I was thinking about it. I was actually just thinking about it in kind of a morbid terms, like... Like, you know, this, we're never going to see a movie again. We can't, we're never going to find another film in a theater. And uh, so I typed, but I worded it slightly different. And I said, the last movie you saw in theaters is The Way You Die. And for whatever reason, that variation of the sentence got like 10,000 retweets and thousands of likes. And it became like my own private hell because every day, it's still going on, just not as rapidly. Every day, I'll get dozens of people saying, uh, well, I'm going to be killed by Harley Quinn and Birds of Prey, and that's a good way to go out. Yeah. Every, every yeah. day. Every day. Or or I'm fine with it every single day. Somebody tells me whatever movie they saw 
they're fine with it as that's the way they die. And they've made that same joke uh, uh, 10,000 times. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's kind of fascinating. Like, no one seems to know that everybody's saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. And, like, if I look at it right now, I swear to you, dude, it says it has somebody with a picture of uh, old Margot Roby with a baseball bat, and it says, I'm fine with it. Oh, it's a Twitter is a complete hellscape, and even good things become bad things. I often, you know, whenever you see a really viral tweet that has a half a million likes and, you know, quarter million retweets, and it's a video that somebody took off of TikTok, and their commentary on it is like, I'm dying laughing right now. And and then right below it, uh, because it took off, they're like, hey, donate to my GoFundMe for a new lawnmower or whatever. <laughs> right, as right, though right. as though they should be paid for for basically showing people somebody else's content and, and not even doing like a commentary on it, but like just saying, I liked this. I I I, I enjoyed this video. Yeah. And uh, also I didn't really it sounds weird, but I wasn't asking people what they saw. Right. I was just kind of saying that we're we're fucked as far as movies. Like I wasn't asking for that to, for that response. Mm-hmm. I guess I thought people might enjoy that comment, but I wasn't asking for a list. Also, um, huge spoilers. Like uh, the five or six movies that keep coming up. Um, I hadn't seen all of them because they, you know, they were like in. March or April, mm-hmm. and so everybody's comment is about somebody. It's either if it's not saying Harley Quinn killed me and I'm fine with it, it's you know a post from some other film with the way the main character died, or and some other people missed the point and just posted you know deaths from the films. So there's thousands of spoilers for those movies as well. So I I did not anticipate that it would ruin. All the last films that anybody's wanted to watch, you know, right? So right. it's full. It's spoilers. The same comment over and over. And also, I've been. I had to look this up. I've been ratioed. I think I didn't know what that meant. It's something that I apparently do all the time. It's where you don't get a lot of likes, <laughs> but a lot of people. A lot of people respond. <laughs> so, oh, so you're telling so me I, that you don't. You typically don't get a lot of approval, but I don't get a lot of likes. But right. people are normally like people... logging on to to talk to you about what you've written. <laughs> yes, and this is no exception. I guess this is a slightly more positive, but I, I would definitely call this a ratioing because I think there's like three thousand likes, but you know, ten thousand plus retweet comments and counting, um, and that's just a bunch of people participating and in, in talking to other people springboarding off and I'm used to that because nobody gives me that approval you're talking about they just take it and run or argue with me so anyway ratioing I looked it up I have been ratioed even in even in this uh, one minor minor triumph here um, all right sorry oh, my, my dog escaped my dog I, we have a, we're in a new house and we have these uh, wood floors and so when she walks around it sounds like little clickety 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 and um, well, we thought we had her in the room with Rios, but she went through the bathroom door. We have a Jack and Jill bathroom, and she just busted out. She was just like, you thought you could contain <laughs> me, you fool. 
Um, <laughs> no, yeah, the thing, the viral tweet that you had reminded me of this COVID-19 study that I saw recently that said that... Oh, yeah, uh, we, that, we, we can talk about that off the air. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was just saying that when people wear masks, you know, like when they're riding bicycles, it's oh, it was boy. just, you know... I saw somebody today riding a bicycle wearing a mask, and I was like, do you... You don't understand how any of this works. That's my only comment. That's my only comment. I'm just going to leave it Well, I will say, when I see somebody, if I see somebody riding a bike or when they jog past me without a mask, I just, I see that, that Tron stream of color behind them. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Like I can, I see this plume of disease color. Yeah. It's like this, gr- this green line and I'm, I'm just thinking, oh my God. And I, I assume that if you were to look at that on a, on a computer... That the person who's running and you know breathing out those droplets would probably look like a fucking nuke. It would look like a, it would look like this cloud of vapor. So it's it's terrifying when you you're standing at a red light and somebody's jogging across the street and you're like, oh my god, there's nowhere to go. And then you're just in this plume and you know you're in something because you can kind of smell people who walk past you. Mm-hmm. You know you you're mm-hmm. just all swimming in it anyway. Mm-hmm. Like we're swimming in it all the all day. And um, anyway, joggers, bikes. It makes me think of that, was that Indiana Jones, the last one, when he's got his dad on the back of the motorcycle and he sticks that flagpole in the spokes, mm-hmm. and it goes, Poof! that's all I can think about when a bike's coming towards me and there's and I can see their mouth. Yeah, yeah. Um, Actually, no, I think you're right. Yeah, I think that that's exactly how viral transmission works. I think, I think I'm, I'm wrong, actually. I think you, I think you nailed it. You think it's, I think it's definitely a, a, a big plume mm-hmm. of, of, uh, of the, like the light cycles, like a right. light cycle plume. Right, right. No, the I think it's kind of like it's kind of like the happening when you see the the trees rustling, and and you know that the <laughs> the pheromone that the trees are releasing to kill people is coming for you. I think that's that's probably how it works. And I that's, think we're on the same page. That's why that's why you know tens of millions of people are currently dead. That's that makes total oh, sense. Wait. I think this is this is what they call crosstalk. <laughs> It's it's where where people are talking about entirely different things, but they don't realize it. Or they pretend that they don't realize it. Yeah. I'm a big fan of crosstalk. I like crosstalk, and I like ratioing. Yeah. No, it's good. This is why this podcast is successful. Mostly because of the crosstalk and the ratioing. Um, (laughs) Dude, we're about to shoot up the charts. I'm telling you. Once people turn this on and they hear our crispy, clean voices, they're going to subscribe. Well, not just that. Dude, not just that. We have access to a movie. Like the, that's the the point of that tweet was we we can't watch movies anymore. But all of a sudden, we have an exclusive. We watched Tenet. Well, we watched we watched six minutes of Tenet. Yeah. Well, well, no, no I watched I watched the whole thing. I watched. I, what are you talking about? Six minutes. If it's the one that you I sent watched, me, it's six. It's the first six minutes of it. No, yeah. no, 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 no. You the the one that leaked online mm-hmm. is a full length film, but it you're right. It flies by. I agree with you. <laughs> it feels it feels short, but that is a full length film, and uh, it's one of. I think it's one of Nolan's best because there's, he takes a lot of chances with it. I mean, the fact that it feels it feels like you've. It feels like you haven't even started to watch it, and it's already over. Right. I'll give right. him credit for that. Also, he gets a lot of he gets a lot of gr- uh, grief about making these big behemoth films. Right. Mm-hmm. People say, you know, he abandoned his his heady early movies like Memento, or if you go back far enough, that Following, which had a great idea where you follow somebody just to see what they do. There's like people that just follow people around. 
to, it's like a pastime, and of course somebody witnesses something weird. Mm-hmm. They're smaller, heady films. I think Memento's a perfect, perfect movie. But now he does nothing but gigantic, cold, mechanical thriller behemoths. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. ever since, since like the Batman stuff, I guess the Prestige would probably fall into that. Uh, definitely Dunkirk. Um, you know, Interstellar. Uh, fucking Inception. Just gigantic, kind of blue, cold workman-like thrillers. And a lot of people give him shit about that. They're like, why why do we have to endure these these sort of lumbering machines of film? And I think that he has a solution here, which is he maintains his philosophy of a large film, but he limits his vision by... He, he reduces it to just visual information. Mm-hmm. Like, the main character does... this Throughout this whole movie, the main character doesn't even talk. Yeah, and well, he talks. Yeah, okay. he has like two lines. He has right. like two lines. Well, Dave, I mean, Dave, it's that, or do you think that maybe somebody took a cell phone into a theater where they were showing a preview no, 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 of no, Tenet? No, no, no. He's what he's he's embracing. He's embracing the found footage format. Okay. So it's got a little. You you get you get your cake and eat it too, dude. You get this giant film on an IMAX screen. But also, you're like, why does it feel like a shaky cam? And why right? is there a dude's head, the back of some guy's head? For that's for such half a brilliant. It. It's a brilliant idea. <laughs> kind of it's mystery science theater three thousand ish, right? <laughs> it's a no, but it's brilliant because then you feel like you're in the theater. Like, think about how this movie starts. The movie starts. The preview starts. Like, yeah. Sustain, mm-hmm. No, the the film the film starts with this sustained violin. Note and there's like a crowd. Oh, muttering. I love that! I love that they, part. That's great. I love it's that. So good. That that, it, that tune up, the uh, symphony tune yeah, up. Yeah, tune up, and it's replicating the feeling of entering a huge theater to watch a movie, right? Mm-hmm. It, which is something we thought we would never be able to do again. But here, Nolan has put his movie online for us, and you just he walks you into the theater. And clearly, Nolan is the conductor because they have this conductor, and he's like, he does this little like tap, 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 tap mm-hmm. to get your attention. And then instead of music, what do you get? What do you get when this movie starts? You get gunshots. You get paramilitary fucking yeah. goon squad. Which is what? That's the music. Uh, the new music of cinema is gunfire. It's an assault on the audience, it's an assault on the senses. I really like this and reading, actually. I genuinely think dude, this is a good reading. Because. It's because it's an amazing film. Yeah. It's well, also okay. he also then he, to to dismiss the the, the military dismisses music. Uh, there's like, did you, did you see where the one terrorist like curb stomps a cello yep. and it goes squawk? Yeah, that's 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 I'm saying. This is the new music of cinema is gunshots. So let me give a breakdown because what's weird is this movie. All Nolan's movies are what three hours forty five minutes. I think this one was the same length, but I can't be sure because I didn't want. No, it's because no, it was six minutes long. It was a it was a preview. No, no. <laughs> I I admire that you're sticking sticking to your guns there. Yeah, but this was it was definitely at least pushing two thirty because it was it had the it had the arc of a Nolan film. Um, I uh, I had a I had a it was a mechanical a watch and it may have stopped I don't know but I know that it was at least two hours long and to give a let me give a breakdown because it's easy to give a breakdown because it's kind of a minimalist slash maximalist film right it's mm-hmm. huge but it's also it's also relatively small um, 
so you got you that starts off with like our lead. It's that John David Washington guy, the guy from Black Klansman. Mm-hmm. He was so dull, dull, lacking charisma in Black Klansman. But I think they found a role that suited him because, like with Keanu Reeves, they just kind of give in and they they give him give him weapons and give him stuff to do and like he's good. He seems like he's good at it. He's got a good face. Kind of. Yeah, he's got he's got a, this icy mercenary type that mm-hmm. I think Nolan works well with. Um, I think like DiCaprio, and when he has those kind of hammy actors, they're a bit lost in the gears of these kinds of movies. But this guy, you know, very stern face, SWAT team. He did he did really well. So it starts off with him waking up in a van, um, and he in this van it kind of rolls up on uh, on this this siege going on on this opera right so we've seen i should note that the movie backs out of at least three major scenes like it shows this big opera and then it pulls back and it pulls back to the um the rich people in the box seats right Mm -hmm. and then it pulls and then it pulls back to the van where the swat team is outside um what's unusual is the swat team seems to be there before um before the siege gets going or it's like their timing is weird then uh you st- you realize that they're attaching these patches to their shoulders mm-hmm. so they so i guess that tells us that they're that's the thing about this movie is you got to like kind of figure it out so yeah, i guess that tells us that they're they're they have a collection of patches so they're not really swat teams they're some sort of other organization right um and that's a good example of visual information where it's kind of goofy that they wouldn't be ready, fully dressed. That they would have to like put together their outfit, mm-hmm. but that's visual information. It tells us in seconds what we need to know, which is that they don't belong there, and now they're going to be infiltrating the real SWAT team. Right. Um, and it does. So you have to kind of. That's where it kind of it gets a little shaky. Like Nolan's using using this kind of visual uh, shortcut that kind of silly but it makes sense in the in the scheme of things because the movie moves so fast right mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and uh so they they go in this second SWAT team and um the that's when they gas the crowd and there's this really sweet the crowd doing this falling unconscious wave they do you remember that? and it kind of goes around the goes around the theater and uh that's when the um the re- then the real SWAT team busts in and we see our secret crew is like five or six guys in with the SWAT team and they peel off and they go up to the box seats where the rich people are. Yeah. And that's where the, the main dude gives somebody a password, right? He's like, he says, what do you say? We live in a twilight world. One of the only lines this guy says in the, in the entire movie, he says like, we live in a twilight world. And then the, the spy or whatever says there are no friends at dusk. Mm-hmm. And essentially it means he's been made. The terrorist attack has, has been staged to cover up his murder. Right, mm-hmm. so they're they're there to take him to sneak him out of it, um, and then and this is where it gets strange. So they kick out the windows of the box seats, and then they're down there with the hostages and the terrorists, and the so there's like their secret SWAT team and the real SWAT team, and there's kind of gunfight with the terrorists, um, and uh, that's when shit gets really strange. That's when this time travel thing happens, I guess, where. Uh, his the guy he's leading out of it's like those video games where you have somebody that you your job is to lead out of somewhere resident evil had those you remember resident evil would have mm-hmm. like here's a little girl you got to get her out of the house mm-hmm. and you couldn't like let you couldn't let her get far away from you 
Right. You remember those? those I do, yeah. No, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like a video game kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, the escort missions. So uh, he gets far away from this guy because the guy's huddling under the seats. And um, he runs up to where there's another terrorist who's going to set off a bomb and blow up the whole place. And he engages that guy, and the guy realizes he's fake. And then that's where I think some sort of time travel thing happens. But it's very subtle for a time travel movie. This is the only instance of it in the whole film. He, uh, you, They show a bullet. go. It kind of goes zzzz, mm-hmm. And the bullet goes, what, back into a gun? Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. or does it... This is my question for you. So did does that mean that our lead was killed and then somebody reversed time and brought him back to life? I think that's what we're that supposed to get, yeah. I think so. You think? Because I was looking at it. Um, miraculously, I've had time to watch this whole movie five times this afternoon. Yeah. I don't know where well, I found the time. Yeah. Well, it's, that was about 30 <laughs> minutes, so yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> and so... I think that it's a possibility that somebody came up behind him and they used some device that you can take a... If there's a bullet laying on the ground, if you point this device at it, it will go back to where it came from. Hmm. So, And I think that the terrorist would just happen to be between the bullet and whatever original gun fired it, and that took out the bad guy. Now, that's not a very efficient way to kill somebody. No. But I think it... like. It gives us an, enough tease that they're that they're messing with time because mm-hmm. there's somebody behind him, and then his buddy says that guy's not with us, and then off they go. Right. right? You know, a brief thought that I have actually about it taking place in a theater. It makes me think about the the shoot the Aurora shooter uh, during the Dark Knight, who went in and uh-huh. shot up that theater. I, I wonder if that's like a. I, mean, I like your read of it as a as a kind of like that. This is the audience, and and now they're all asleep, and like this is kind of like you. You're now in like the dream world of the of the movie, essentially. Yeah. Um, but it's all. It is kind Nolan of also like a callback the, to that shit, you know. Yeah. Do you think that's pretty ballsy? Because that's his movie. Yeah. The Dark exactly. Knight yep. Rises. Do you think that he's addressing the the Aurora shooting? Because that would be. I think so. That would be pretty ballsy. Movie. I think he would. Ha- I mean, he would have to be cognizant of the fact of of what he's doing i mean he'd have i mean he knows what happened and you know you can set it in you can set your intro in any place that you want to so i think it i think it is kind of a ballsy move i don't really know what he's saying about it other than to perhaps put it into a fictionalized world and you know make that that shooting in a sense part of the canon of his movies right like because I have a feeling that this doing... movie, when it actually finally comes out and we get to see the whole thing, I think that that it's gonna that whoa. it's gonna it's 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 gonna what do you mean play with time? You and... mean like the director's cut? Are you talking about the director's? Yeah, cut? Yeah, you know what, Dave? Let's go with the director's cut because I've heard a rumor that there's a director's cut that's about three hours long, right? So, well, that's a, what that's what that's ten minutes longer than the movie. I mean, typical Nolan length. Yeah, I guess. Um, it's not that long. Uh, but anyway, yeah, no, and then I like I like the fact that let's just go with your idea that this is the movie. Um so I like the idea that at the end, <laughs> instead of having a movie flesh out, he kind of just you know, very much kind of like a trailer would do. Um he sort of plays with these like flashes of scenes that sort of indicate yeah, to you this, what's this... going on and then once it's over I think this might be the best time travel movie ever made because it's like you got brought back in time to the beginning of the movie with no memory of having seen the rest of it even though you did I'm with you I'm with you yeah or like you 
you it's like time didn't pass because you seem to think that this was six minutes long right and it was a feature length film um are you going into your about, are you going into your fugue states again dave are you uh <laughs> where they they find you they find about, you like naked five miles away covered in goat's blood <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna go to a theater all by myself and watch this movie again mm-hmm. on my on my laptop, <laughs> where I'll see ten layers ten layers of movies, my phone through my laptop through somebody's phone through the IMAX through the screen through the fake theater crowd in the opera through Nolan's pants. Yeah, um, let's talk about real quick the uh, my favorite part of the movie is uh, he goes right after this whole shit goes down with the people getting gassed and then the backwards bullet that goes. Zip, um, which, uh, real quick, I think that that's the, the. Did you see the terrorist like rips the patch off of uh, off of Washington's shoulder and it like reveals that he's a fake terrorist? Mm-hmm. Um, what's fascinating is that we got we're like three fake terrorists deep. Yeah, we've got the or, or SWAT teams deep. We've got the SWAT team. We've got the lead man who is in a secret spy organization that's a different SWAT team. Then we have a mysterious time traveling SWAT team who is also outside of that realm. Um, but I, the, the tearaway disguises, that's, I just think those are, that's bizarre, that you would wear something that could, that could that's in so many movies where somebody will have a fake Velcro patch of something, on, and then somebody reveals them like with a zip and pulls <laughs> it off, you know what I mean? Um, like a tearaway disguises are only fun when, when it's like whoosh, and suddenly somebody was wearing a tux, but now they're wearing a speedo. Yeah, yeah. that's the only way that's you funny. should have those those tearaway things. But anyway, so the the uh, he he gets the bomb after the bullet goes backwards, and there's another bomb to defuse, and uh, he runs to like some sort of rally point with his crew. And this is the only other line Washington has in the entire film where he says, uh, "Can you defuse this?" And uh, one of his crew says, "No, we can't. They're all synchronized or something like that." And he says, well, why? they were going to blow up the whole, the whole audience to kill this guy. And the lead says something like, nah, they were just going to blow up the cheap seats, <laughs> which is hilarious. And goes into your reading yeah, of yeah. The, this weird contempt for the audience, but also a celebration of them. Because he, he takes the bomb that was going to blow up the, quote, cheap seats. And Washington runs back in to get the other bomb. And he takes it and he launches it up into the into the box seats where the rich people are. Right. He, like, chucks it up there where, uh, I guess, he because, like, five rows blow up. Yep. I guess he, he took it from the cheap seats, quote, the cheap seats, as he called it, and he threw it up to where the rich people were, and it, I guess he killed a bunch of rich people. Yeah. Which is pretty fucking sweet. Like, that's a sweet climax, because yep. that's, I guess that's kind of the, um, that's the end of the movie. It's Because it, that's where it ends, and that's mm-hmm. where... There's credits. The credit comes up, and it says Tenet. Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, these these crazy post-credit stingers where Nolan gets a little wacky. He shows, I guess, uh, it's them in heaven. Like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the lead's on a boat. He's on a boat, right? He's enjoying life. There's, like, rich people on yachts. So I guess that's the people that blew up, like, It's very Lynchian. Heaven, very Lynchian. It's very Lynchian. Um, then there's a car that reverses and reassembles, which is the most puzzling thing to put after the credits. Yeah, it's I'm also thinking, weird that they hired Robert Pattinson for for one shot. That seems like a little ostentatious. Is he, oh, is he in the? He was in the post credits stingers. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. But there's a lot of weird choices, dude. I mean, that's that's on the list of weird choices Nolan makes for this film. That's I put that at number five because we've got 
again, he's taking a lead character and put him in a mask for the entire time, just like Bane. Mm-hmm. It's like a perverse choice. It's like the whole time the guy has a muffled mask voice, the lead of the movie, that's a weird choice. Because he got so much flack. Batman, weird voice. Bane, weird voice. This one, this John David Washington, weird muffled mask voice for the entire film. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say to have big name actors in the post credit sequence is um, is pretty minor. Also, I would say uh, it's not underpopulated for a movie that zips by like this. Huge cast, big concrete architecture. It looks expensive, um, but again, feel it gets in, it gets out, it gets it done. You know? Yeah, yeah. I um, actually I was thinking about Christopher Nolan movies while I was watching this because I was. I was pretty. I was paying pretty good attention to what was going on, and uh, I was really into it. And I was kind of thinking about his movies are weird because I seem to almost like dislike them when I think back on them. But you you can't deny that they're very watchable. You know, like while you're watching it, they're so capably made sure. that you just like. I'm you know I'm looking forward to watching this one again in the director's cut version in theaters one day. I, I think that'll be pretty cool. Um, well, I think Nolan has given up on the idea of theaters. Theaters don't exist. In, this is a theater. We had a theater experience. We had, we were three layers into a theater experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. And, um, he gave, and he gave it to us for free. He gave it to us. It just showed up on my computer one day. Yeah. Well, it showed up on Reddit where <laughs> <or> somebody <laughs> uploaded it. Uh, which I'm not. I'm not sure if he was well, happy about yeah, that or not. Named, but somebody named Christopher Nolan. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. He's um, throwing you a bone, dude. But no. But I mean, it's just like it's it's one of these really interesting. So first of all, I love the no dialogue or muffled dialogue. Um, something that he does. I think he might have done this in Inception as well. Uh, it's a it's a clever trick where you just simply don't tell the audience uh, anything, and it takes a lot of guts to do something like that because. We're so used to being spoon-fed everything, and like these are the time cops, right. and they're going in to do this and that. Like in this, we're, we are told nothing. But the the trick about that is that you can't be confusing uh, in in the actual physical action of what's going on. And I think he right. did a great job with that. Like we always know where we are in space in in the movie. Um, and even though he's kind of behind the mask, like we know where our protagonist is. Uh, which, by the way, the protagonist's name, I think. Is just the protagonist in this in this movie. Oh, really? Yeah, he's just called the oh, protagonist. How did you? My credits didn't say that. My credits just said tenant, and then like as a joke, it said you know in theaters. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was a time. It was like in uh-huh. theaters June tenth or something, which you know that that time has passed. But it's a time travel movie, so mm-hmm. right. I appreciated the gag. Right, right. Um, but yeah, um, no, it's. Uh, I, I think it's, it, for- it's on the IMDb. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the um, the his movies now in a way that I didn't at first. I think I was with you where I thought these are kind of they're kind of big and they're kind of silly. Like there's no real there's very little humor to it as far as I remember. I think Memento had some dark humor. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's less humor than you would think, mm-hmm. and uh, there's that there's that famous uh, that famous gif out there where. Uh, where fucking um, what's her name? Brittany, who's a girl that died? Was in uh, Brittany Murphy. She was in Clueless. Brittany Murphy's dancing at some movie celebration, and you can see Christopher Nolan behind him, just stone faced behind her, <laughs> just standing <laughs> stiff as a rod. Yeah, and I think that's a good that's a good 
signpost of his movies, which is serious. I would even go. I would say like suburban feeling. You know, yeah, very big. yeah, very suburban feeling. Very big, um, very cold. Big. A lot of a lot of uh, sort of brutalist architecture in his movies. He thinks he's Kubrick. He thinks he's like a he's like Spielbergian Kubrick. Thing yeah. going on. Yeah. But I think I've I, he's somehow he's won me over. Every one of his movies except with the exception of Dark Knight Rises with Bane, I've watched him the first time and I thought, I guess I liked it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then it took me about three or four viewings and I and then I'm like, I love these movies. There's so it's I feel like I got my money's worth. Um, yeah. this one I liked immediately, but like with uh prestige i didn't like it at first now i think it's his best movie Mm -hmm. no i like the prestige a lot too yeah i think it's great dunkirk i've only watched once and i don't like it yet Mm -hmm. maybe i will one day right i like that Uh, one i think i was already on the on the nolan train when i saw dunkirk so i i liked it right off the bat yeah well you kind of just have to like know what what he's doing you know what i mean and what what it's he reminds me this might seem like a strange comparison to make but he does remind me of nicholas winding refn uh Whereas Refn is much more focused on 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 slowness and kind of gore, they both have that very kind of serious tone to them. You know, like everything. And I like that. Dark. I think we got as as uh, as movie children of the '90s, where we watched probably. I, I think me and you were similar, where we watched a ton of movies in the '90s, and that's that might be our our. Our schooling as far as cinema, mm-hmm. um, we got. I think that we might have gotten like ironied out, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. So when something comes a, comes along like Refn or Nolan, where it's serious to the point of almost being quaint, mm-hmm. uh, it feels it feels kind of radical. Yeah, I agree with um, that. I I really do appreciate sincere filmmakers now, you know. Um, and that yeah. can come in all different sorts of shapes and sizes. You know, a movie like The Florida Project is pretty sincere. Um, right. But it's got that realism to it. But he's doing this kind of, again, cold, big sci-fi stuff. And, you know, he's not he's – not, he doesn't need to insert a joke every every minute because unlike, you know, the Russo brothers or other, you know, really popular hacks – like mm-hmm. who who aren't able to actually direct and have you oriented in space he knows that you're sort of in the world and he's creating visual puzzles and mysteries that you're trying to solve while you're watching the movie and i think i think that's great i think that jokes and you know irony and shit like that would take away from the experience of watching something like inception like if there was a one liner every 5 seconds in inception it would just be this bonkers movie that that made no sense yeah. You kind of you kind of have yeah. to get into that that self serious world of of spies and you know sociopaths. It's kind of yeah. It feels like his movies are full of are full of sociopaths right. in a way. Well, I, that's what I liked about this one is it took uh, it took some more shots at rich people. Where when I watched Inception, the one thing that really kind of annoyed me was it seemed like and we might have talked about this before, but here you have a movie that says. You know, your dreams are the limit, right? Mm -hmm. And the dreams of Christopher Nolan seem to be uh, giant boardrooms, first-class flights, um, rich people bequeathing large amounts of money to each other, Mm -hmm. uh, and the occasional uh, 
a party gets wrecked by an earthquake. It, it felt very rich and very Hollywood. You know what I mean? Like here's mm-hmm. some. That's the best you could do. Like what would your? Dr- it reminds me of that Onion article about. I had a dream, uh, and the Martin Luther King thing. I had a dream that my house was a combination of uh, Yankee Stadium and a banana. You know, like <laughs> shit like that. Like that's what a dream is. Yeah, that's what a dream. A dream isn't. Isn't a fancy boardroom where you slide a contract over over a nice mahogany table? That's a rich person's dream, you know. And the dreams are shallow. Mm-hmm. So the first time I th- I saw it, I thought I can't get on board because it's not. I, when I saw the trailer with you know streets going up in the air and shit exploding and reassembling, I thought this is going to blow my fucking mind. And the first viewing, I thought this is. Uh, this is pretty tame as far as their dreams. Like, mm-hmm. why? As soon as they plug in, their dreams should be all of them like furiously masturbating, right? Yeah, or yeah. something. Right. It would be so. It would be something that they wouldn't want anyone to see. Yeah. Dreams are perverse and strange, and it didn't feel like that. That's why uh, a lot of people say it ripped off Perfect Blue, and it has a lot of sequences that were taken. For, and um, the fuck was the name of that one? Uh, I want to say Cinnamon, but that's not the name of Paprika. It. There's a yeah, Paprika. Yes, yes, exactly. It, that's a movie with, that seems like a dream logic. Right, where it's so, like the, the big dancing bears and, you know, like giant robots. And, and you know, yeah, you're running and, down a hallway and the hallway turns into like uh, a tongue and it, you, you can't go anywhere and then you're falling. Yeah, Paprika is, yeah, and, is probably one of the best dream movies ever made. That's a good dream movie, and and it looks like he must have seen that because there's he lifts sequences out of that he took from those two animes as far as I um, can tell, and uh, also something dreams the 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 real frustrating parts of dreams probably don't translate well to cinema anyway. Mm-hmm. My ultimate frustrating moment in dreams is not punching hard enough. Right? Yeah, that's a big one. I was thinking about Inception, but it's, it's, it's but it's like Tom Hardy. And he's in a classroom, and they're like, "You, you didn't study for the test." And he's <laughs> yeah, and he's got the bane real. mask on for some reason, and he's like, he's trying to <laughs> say like, he's trying to say, "I didn't know I've been out of college for two years." And it's like, "Well, the test was today, so I don't know what to tell you." And he's like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it will break me." <laughs> yeah, I love the idea of the, so, the Dark Knight Rises and the and the, the fight is they both just both have pillow fists. They just can't. They can't hit Pillow each other. Fist. So wait, somebody. Uh, there's a name for it. I mean, it, it must be calm. It's got to be rampant. I saw Pillow Fist yeah. on a World Star Hip Hop video where the, these guys were in a street fight, and uh, this guy gets he gets punched in the face. He's like, "Come on, bro, you got Pillow Fist, dog. You got Pillow Fists." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, I am so scared of having Pillow Fists. I hate it." I think, but that doesn't quite get it. it it's more like it's moving too slow. Yeah. Somebody will I'll have a home invasion. That's a dream I have constantly, home invasions. Combination home invasion, night terrors, where people walk in the room, crawl, crawl across the ceiling. And now it's even worse because a- it's like they're, they're walking in and they got this big cloud of COVID-19 around them. And <laughs> <laughs> It's called a plume, a dude. A plume, okay. It's called a Tron, the Tron plume. Got you. And I'll take a swing at them and, my, and it's... You know, it's like in Matrix Revolution where the fist is going through all the raindrops. Bloop, 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 mm-hmm. bloop. <laughs> but it doesn't do shit. And that's a, that's a real dream. That's right. a, not, not somebody saying, oh, did my dad leave me enough money? That's yeah. not a fucking dream. In Inception anyway. where the room is tilting and they're kind of pacing towards each other, but neither of them have pants on. Right? It'd be something like that. Yeah, now it's a dream. Yep. Now it's a dream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, yeah. No. Um, okay. So yeah. He, uh, uh, what do you think? Would you would you recommend the uh, would you recommend the the new Christopher Nolan film? Or I would, would you... I would. Well, I'd recommend the preview that I saw, um, and I would say that saw, if, it ever, no, if it ever comes back to theaters, no... if it ever goes to theaters, I would. Rec- I'm definitely I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, we we watched we watched this film, dude. I I mean, if let's say for sake of argument that this was you what do you you called it a, a tra- you thought it was a trailer an extended preview yeah like a the prologue okay. to the film yeah i would say if this was a trailer and you know in your dreams i guess we're talking about your own fantasy land mm-hmm. is movies are movies are tiny in dave's dreams mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that this is a good idea for a trailer because it gives you like a soup to it doesn't give you the soup to nuts overview it gives you like just the soup Right. You know what I mean? Right. So instead, because that's why Prometheus had an amazing trailer, but it ruined the movie. It showed every beat of the film. This says here is one sequence that has all the themes of the film, but you get nothing else. Right. If this was a trailer. No, it's a great idea. It's a great, and it's a great way to start movies. I wish more movies started that way. I wish more movies started. Had trailers like that? In media res, like in the middle of the world. Uh, and it's a world that's weird and has its own rules, and you kind of learn it as you go along. Um, that's so. I'm playing this game called Dark Souls. I've been playing it for a while. I think we talked about it on the last pod. Um, I've seen your updates. I've seen I've seen you struggling with various demons. Yes, yeah. Uh, and so basically, in the game, you're you're undead, and uh, the difficulty level is very hard. But the the way that the designer made the game was such that like you kind of you have to learn as you go so when you reach a new level there's new creatures that will like poison you and you have no explanation as to what to do when you're poisoned you have to just figure it out as you go and you usually die a lot trying to figure this stuff out so you're dying constantly but i love that i think it's so it's so compelling and i wish more movies did that too right where we where for example where we just don't get introduced to the protagonists right away. Like, I think even that is a step in the right direction, where the protagonists are doing things. You know I love people doing stuff. Um, yeah. And and just and as, as you go, kind of learn. You know what a great opening scene like that is? is uh, do you remember History of Violence? Yeah, yeah, the diner. Well, there's, and the, it's the hotel, right? And the car kind of like... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. No, the, I'm thinking of the diner scenes in the middle. Yeah, yeah, the hotel where you don't know what they've done inside. And the and the car, he's like, pull the car around front, and you very slowly follow the car, and you're looking at this dingy yes. motel, and you're sort of figuring, and then eventually it goes in the motel, and you see the bodies and stuff. Um, right. And then Although there's, there's one big clue that they're terrible people. The one guy's carrying a jug of water. Uh, do you ever notice that people that carry around an entire like jug of water are kind of shit? Oh, scum of the earth, man! Scum of the earth. Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah. I mean, it, why is that su- such an indicator? It's just water. There's, you know, it seems like a good idea. Let's put it in a jug. But right. every time you see you see somebody wandering the streets with a jug of water, it's like a red flag. It's a plume. Right. It's a it's a, yeah. a yeah. plume of danger. Yeah. I, so <laughs> I live I live kind of near in my new house. I live kind of near the hood. And I, so I live between the hood and downtown. I'm in this like nice little cute neighborhood between those two things. So I see yeah. uh, these crispy people in like the government housing who like walk from from there to downtown to I guess scream at people or whatever. Um, uh-huh. And they are almost always carrying jugs, big jugs of water. And it, I think the tell <laughs> is is that a normal human being who has things to do during a day can just get water. 
whenever they need water. Uh, but they're like they're right. stocking up. They're they're going somewhere where they're going to be outside on a street corner, and they got to stay hydrated. So they're basically sort of like on their way to to harass right. people. <laughs> right, right, right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I was going to ask. Oh, so you, the video game thing that seems like a new a new wrinkle in your uh, in your biography. I didn't know you were a video game. Part. Is there a reason you've you've uh, turned to video games this late in life? Well, I mean, I think that the video game thing. Well, so this is really the only game that I play. So I bought a Switch. I had gone on unemployment, and I had you know I had my Trump bucks. And I was like, I'll buy a little Nintendo Switch. And I bought some games. I bought uh, Zelda, which didn't really take for me. And uh, I bought um, Mortal Kombat, which is cool, but kind of a limited hangout because it's a fighter. And then I got this Ooh. Dark Souls game, and I just became obsessed with it, you know? And it's, it literally, it's, it's, it works for talking about Christopher Nolan movies and Tenet because it is this game where you don't really have a, there's no, you wake up in this like prison full of zombies and, and you're a zombie, but you're also a knight. Uh, and you kind of walk out and you meet these strange characters that tell you cryptic things. So you're, you're just like, it's, it's constant discovery and constant frustration. So when, people who design casinos um, and gambling machines they mm. understand a key fact of, of human nature which is that human beings don't like to win they like to lose right so gamblers are addicted to losing not to winning because if they were addicted to winning they wouldn't gamble because you almost never win um, sure so basically there, there's something about there's something in our nature I'd, I'd probably take it all the way back to when we were you know, nomads that would go on failed hunts and stuff like that. I mean, most of human existence up to this point and continuing on and into this point, honestly, is mostly just failure. So a part of our monkey brains must somehow enjoy that, like must see it as a sign of, of progress, of like actually getting something done. So when people are sort of afraid of failing, uh, there's you're sort of going against your your human nature like you're supposed to fuck up you're supposed to when you're a little kid you run around you bump your head or you touch a hot stove and you learn okay i don't touch the hot stove anymore but if you've never touched a hot stove you're always kind of thinking is it really is it that hot is it that hot yeah. you, you got to find out that makes sense you're also are you fighting demons right in yeah. this game that's uh -huh. what i i mean i'm no psychiatrist but one might suggest that you there's something appealing to you to literally fight demons. Yeah, um, I could see that. I could see Figuratively well, or literally. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, this yeah. is another thing. This is a kind of new theory that I have about how, how brains work. So I think that the inside of your head, the map, uh, matches whatever kind of territory you're in at that moment, right? So for me, it's been really important to go on these long walks without my phone in my neighborhood because I'm sort of like mapping the space around me in my head and it's making my, the, my inner space bigger and kind of more alive. And so my theory is that one of the reasons why people are so depressed and upset is that their inner space, their map, is now just the inside of their house, their, some, for some people the inside of their work, the inside of their car, uh, and their phone. And that's it. So our, our, our the map is matching the territory, and the territory is very, uh, very Nolan-esque. It's very cold. Uh, it's very uh, austere, right? But if you get out in, mm -hmm. into nature, 
your inner self becomes more uh, florid and alive. There's squirrels in the trees. Um, and, and by doing that, I think that, you know, to bring it back to the demons, I think that you have places to put your bad feelings that you didn't have before, right? If your inner space is a small room, all your demons are crammed in there like a house party. Uh, if the inside of your head is a forest or a neighborhood, you can, you can shove them off a cliff and let them chill in a ravine Ooh. for a little bit. Hmm. No, that makes sense, dude. It's pretty. It's like a little new agey, like but the, uh, but I, I no, think I'm I like onto the something. I like the direction that took. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's weird because your description of of the video game and why you play it almost felt as long as Tenet. That's right. Yeah, which, was, is, which is impossible. <laughs> which is impossible. So, it was very possible know, actually because I probably was talking for about five minutes, and I think that's I think this one was six, but you know, um, I did some uh, I did some uh, some cool deadlifting today. I was really happy about that. My whole body is sore. I'm really I'm just like life is kind of starting up again for me because I'm in I'm in Oklahoma, uh, aka right. like this the state that never believed. So um, I'm kind of like going to the gym. And uh, I, there's this big buff trainer dude there, right? Who I kind of have a crush on. Like he's kind of he's just so huge. <laughs> and uh, today I was uh, doing a rear delt fly, and uh, he came over. He was like, "Hey, try try putting your hands this way instead of that way." And I was like, "Fuck yes, I have a friend. This is my gym friend now, right? This absolute tank, this monster. He's going to take me under his wing. He's going to teach me his ways. Oh boy! And I'll be a monster Beware too. That they, you know." If he can bench more than you, he gets to rename you. That's so fine. That. That's fine. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Pillow fist. Yeah, yeah. I'll be. Uh, I'll, I'll come on the show next time. I'll be like, actually, my my name is Alex Davis. Now he uh, he rechristened me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anything Sweet. else you want to talk right, about? Or I, that's that's I pretty think that'll good. Do it. Yeah. I think that's a nice, nice, uh, nice tight fifty. Yeah, type fifty minutes. Type fifty. That's that's mm-hmm. yep. That's your that's your new nickname. Type fifty. Um. <laughs> <laughs>